Hello, this is Paul F. Tompkins, the famous comedian. You seem to have found yourself at showbizmonkeys.com. Sorry to blow your mind. I'm going to do my best to not turn this into my own episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Nope, if it goes that way. <laughs> You've cited Conan O'Brien and Letterman as two of your biggest influences. How do you handle them for your interview style, do you think? Well, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting question. As far as interviews go, you know, I think uh, in some ways I would actually say that for as much as I love late night TV, I think my interview style in some ways is actually a reaction to it. Just in the sense that I really don't like pre-interviews. I really don't like this style where you know that a producer has vetted everything and, you know, gone over and asked someone a million questions and then has said, here's the ones that we like and can you tighten up the answers where they're almost borderline scripted. I think that that's uh, kind of a strange thing in entertainment that we all see and it's very obvious that I, I just don't understand. I like things to be loose. I like things to be a little more freewheeling, a little more honest, a little more organic. I do think that, uh, you know, Letterman has some interviews, I think, that stand out in a real way where they went off the rails. And I think, if anything, those are the ones that I kind of aspire to. I think, uh, you know, there's some famous examples, whether it's Madonna or Paris Hilton or, you know, um, Joaquin Phoenix after after his whole, uh, you know, Andy Kaufman-esque movie experience. And I think those are the ones from Letterman that I'm actually the most inspired by is where they went off the rails. I do think, you know, just because he was a little bit of a caustic guy that maybe those tended a little bit towards aggressiveness or, or negativity, which is not something that I think is my bread and butter. But mm. I think I'm, I'm able to look at the ones where he really reveled in things kind of going into disaster area and sort of fans those things and, and encouraged them to go there. And that's something I really like. You're very open about mental health and things like that. I love career suicide. And you've been very open about how medication has made you better. Yeah. As a comedian that's also on meds, I just wanted to ask, how has medication affected your creative process? Like, do you ha did you have to retrain your brain in any way, or does it come to you differently now than it did before? What a fascinating question. I don't think anyone's ever phrased it to me quite like that before. I give you credit. Uh, it's funny because I think I did have to retrain my brain in certain ways. I think when I was medicated, the thing that was most eye-opening to me, most surprising, was my ability to get organized, to make a to-do list and actually accomplish the tasks on it, to sit down and do a second draft of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the things that are just the nuts and bolts actual tools that you need to be a creative person successfully um, I think when I was prone to sort of like fits of mania or let me stay up all night and just type for eight hours straight or whatever it was, there were times where I think things would come out of that that were, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really cool or that's something I'm really proud of. And maybe there was a little bit of fire to that that's a little bit harder to summon now. But the large majority of the stuff that would come out of those feelings of those episodes was just kind of like confusing or worthless when I'd look back on it and go, I don't even know what I meant by this stuff. So, um, I think I had to sort of uh, retrain my brain, as you put it, in the sense mm -hmm. of, okay, things are a little more grounded now. Maybe it's a little bit harder to find that idea that's just like totally out of left field that gets me like so hyped up and full of adrenaline. 
but I will trade that every day of the week for the level of actual focus and discipline and professionalism that mm. I got in the trade. That's a great answer. Thanks. Jump around a little bit. What do you think is the most underrated episode of Beautiful Anonymous? Beautiful Anonymous. Okay, let's see. The underrated ones. I mean, there have been so many at this point. Um, we're coming up on almost, I think we're over the 150 mark. We're heading towards 200. What's one that I wish got a little bit more focus or attention? Because I'll be honest and say that, you know, for as much as the show is, is a popular thing that I like, I, I do get frustrated sometimes because I, I don't think it necessarily, you know, busts out or gets the cultural cred that I wish it did. Sometimes maybe I wonder if it's like people listen to it and it's such a private thing for them when they listen to it that maybe the word of mouth doesn't spread, whatever it is. Let's see. I know there's been a few that I'm like, ah, I wish more people heard that. You know, I think looking back on it, there's one that is titled Make Fruit Baskets Great Again. And it was with someone who, this is in the summer of 2016. It was with someone who had a lot of plans on voting for Donald Trump and was really standing by that and, She's a woman who, you know, this this was at a point when I think all of America was kind of laughing at the idea of Trumpism and not taking it seriously. And I think a lot of people who listened to it maybe brushed her off and just said she's uneducated or she's out of her ass. But I think when you listen back to it, you, you listen to it now and you go, oh, she really is a member of a whole class of people that are really frustrated, really scared, really pissed. And she doesn't particularly care about being able to rationally explain any of those things. There's just a lot of emotion behind this. And that is one that I remember when it came out, mm-hmm. really feeling like, man, I wish people, I wish this was spreading farther and wider because I think talking to her made me realize, okay, there's something human and emotional behind this. And yeah, there's not, even she is saying, there's not much logic to why I want to vote for Trump. It's born purely out of anger and emotion. She was kind of copping to that. Oh. I remember feeling like, man, if, if, if I could have gotten that one to spread a little bit more or gotten people to pay attention to it, I'm like, I think it would have uh, been pretty eye-opening to some pollsters and some pundits and some candidates. I have not listened to that one. I'll go find that. It's pretty infuriating. It's kind of maddening, but it's also, uh, I think it's also good. I think it's good listening, and I think you look back now, and you're like, oh, yeah, we we underestimated all of these people yeah. and where their hearts are at. You've also been very open about a time in your life working at UCB where you saw all of your friends get cool things and advance their careers, and you were feeling kind of left behind. Stop me if I'm putting words <laughs> in your mouth. No, I'm um, sure that's very accurate. Right now, in my career, I am a comedian doing interviews about a festival I am not in. A lot of my friends have Emmys, Oscars. Uh, I got one on Broadway. What advice would you give to someone who's worried their career passed them by? Well, I tell you, I'm right there with you. Like, I've spent the last few days looking at so many friends of mine posting pictures on Instagram of them in their Emmy outfits, and it's it's uh, even, even at this stage where I've had my own TV show and I, I have a lot of stuff going for me, it's still hard not to just be like, son of a bitch, what do I got to do to get over the hump stuff? So I think it's never, I don't think that feeling will ever totally go away. I think uh, if I had any advice, it would be to remove the ego from it, which I think as a creative person, there's so many things where the answer is get your ego out of this. The ego gets in the way. Someone else's success doesn't represent your failure, you know, like if one of those people didn't 
have that gig or wasn't in that festival doesn't necessarily mean you would have that gig or would be in that festival. So I think there's there's something you said for swallowing your pride, being happy for your friends. I, I am happy that even when I was at my most scared, I was always extremely happy for my friends who were accomplishing the things I was watching them accomplish. And, and I'm very pleased about that. Most of it is get ego out of the way. Worrying about other people's accomplishments does nothing to further your own accomplishments. The only thing you can ever control as an artist is how hard you work. And yeah. if you really put your head down and, and you outwork the next person, that's the only thing you can really do to even put yourself in the ball game. So, around, you know, I've seen a lot of people who are extraordinarily talented who give in to bitterness and they don't uh, make it. But I've seen a lot of people who are maybe not as naturally talented who are relentlessly hard workers. And I think it tends to work out for those people more often. What's funny about that for me is I got such joy watching uh, Robbie Hoffman show up on your show a couple of times a week. Uh, Robbie's incredible. What a lovable lunatic. Right? You know, everyone in uh, Toronto's rooting for Um, This is a bit of an internet deep dive, and I just need to know if it's real or not. Like, to know you is to know that you love Morrissey. Uh-huh. And you talked about it a lot on Career Suicide. It was like a, a sub-scene. But the tattoo of his handwriting on your arm, was that an actual signature he gave to you? Did he sign your arm and then you got it tattooed over? It was. He played the Jimmy Fallon show back when Jimmy had the spot that Seth Meyers now had. And some friends of mine got me in. And they couldn't get me backstage, but they were able to get me in a hallway near the music room. And he walked by, and I had a Sharpie, and I went for it, and I asked him. I was very pleased about that. Mm -hmm. a little tough right now because he keeps saying some very negative things in the press and some things that, frankly, I think are a little appalling, so... I've had to do a lot of soul-searching about having his, his name on my arm the past few yeah. years, but that is true. It is his actual signature. How did that not end up in the show? Was that Did that get cut, or did you just not think about it? Or I, I think it was, uh, if I'm being totally honest, I think if I tried to include every idiotic story from my <laughs> life in my work, it would just be an endless process. So some things got to hit the cutting room floor at the end of the day, you know? Real quick, I was rewatching the uh, Mystery Dumpster episode of the yes. show, and it might have just been the cut I was watching, but did we never get to see what Jason Manzukis guessed and put in Paul Shear's pocket? Do you remember what he guessed? Yeah, no, that one is uh, that one is lost the time to me. I, it's funny, I, I have a lot of self-esteem issues, so I don't actually watch footage of myself because... <laughs> All I can focus on is the size of my own forehead. Um, so I haven't watched it back in a while, and I, I don't remember what Jason put in there, unfortunately. Fair enough. You've kind of made losing your brand, and I mean that in a lovable way, but you've got a book coming out called Lose Well, uh, which I believe is out October 16th? Yeah, October. So I want to give you a moment in the sun. What's the most badass thing you've ever done? What's the most badass thing I've ever done? Yeah, usually that's not what people focus on with me. Maybe the time I entered a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament, which uh, I take Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, but it's very much just a hobby. I'm not good at it by any means. But I decided at one point, and what was clearly looking back on it, an early midlife crisis, <laughs> I decided I was going to enter a tournament, and I cut weight and everything. I was I was walking around at about 130 pounds, I think, and 
right now I'm pretty light for me, and I'm at 150, yeah. and I was all ripped, and I shaved my head to look more like... The quote that I put, I was like, I want to look less like a comedian and more like a fighter, which is insane. <laughs> I shaved my head, and I entered the tournament. Full disclosure, I got my arm popped out at the elbow within a minute of the fight starting, so oh. didn't end badass, but the impulse was pretty badass. I don't know, scars and stuff are badass. Um, so they said, but I'm 38 and my body is full of aches. <laughs> so another thing in career suicide was you got to know and love Barb as an audience member. For those of us out there, what do you look for in a therapist when you're shopping around? Well, it's funny because I've had a lot of people, you know, do career suicide and you know, one of the things you hear about therapy so often is people say, you know, I saw a therapist once, I didn't like it, it wasn't for me. And I'm like, do you realize how crazy that sounds to say about a doctor? Like, you would never say that about a dentist. You never go, man. <laughs> yeah. I tried a dentistry, didn't like one dentist's personality, so I'm just never going to get my teeth fixed. Kind of insane. So people ask me a lot about how I found my therapist and how I knew a life turn. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's something that I think should be a lot about your personality meshing. Like, I think one of the whole points of my show is that she is a little bit out there. And she does yeah. say something that many people regard as a little crazy, but at the same time, works for me. I know one of the things that I loved right out of the gate when I first met her was she was from New Jersey, and that made me comfortable. And she cursed. She said the F word a lot. And I was like, this is really different, but in a way where it feels like a real human being and a real conversation I would have. So yeah. I think at the end of the day, like there is somebody out there who's going to fit you. And don't give up. Go find them. They're out there, they want to help, and I think that's my advice. Showbizmonkeys.com